seated. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, as you probably know, we're going to Romans. Romans is something that we've been uh, trucking through here this year and through the rest of the year. And so we are on, on course for Romans chapter 5. And uh, let me go ahead and read uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5. Let me go ahead and read that. Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Let me pray one more time. Father God, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the many blessings you have given us. And right now, I just pray that you will open our hearts, open our minds to what you want us to hear and see out of your word this morning. Once again, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of coming before you, almighty God, and being able to hear from you. We thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, before we get into chapter 5, I would really like for us to kind of look at chapter 4. Just kind of a summary of uh, what uh, Eric and Jonas preached the last couple weeks here. And uh, if, we, if you remember correctly, if you've been here, um, we see that chapter 4, it's all about faith. And what do I mean by that? Abraham, and Paul is using Abraham as the example, Abraham is justified, is righteous by his faith. And it's loaded, it is loaded in chapter 4. Um, verse 5 in chapter 4, his faith is credited as righteousness. We go down to, to verse 9, Abraham's faith was credited to him righteousness. Verse 11, the righteousness that he had by faith. He is the father of all who believe. Verse 12, the footsteps of the faith. Verse uh, 13, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. 14, for it is by those lived by the law are heirs. Faith has no value and no promise is worthless. So he's once again talking about how faith is, is everything. Uh, 16, therefore the promise comes by faith. Uh, once again, at the end of 16, uh, those who are the faith of Abraham. 17, um, in whom he believed. Talking about Abraham again. 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Once again, faith. Uh, 19, without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead. And Sarah's womb was good as dead. Uh, 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God. And, and so we see throughout chapter 4, chapter 4 is all about Abraham's faith. And then we come, we come to the end of chapter 4, and this is where we kind of step into it, specifically in, in, in verse 24 of chapter 4, but also for us, who's us? Those of us who have believed in Jesus those of who us put our trust in him, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. 25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. And then it, then it starts going into chapter 5. And I just want to take a moment here and kind of set in verse 25 he was delivered over to our death over to his death for our sins and a lot of times we as Christians we 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 get that understanding that that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and he went to the cross for my sin 
and for your sin. And, and I, I believe Jonas talked about this last week. We see this is where mercy is playing out. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. If you're taking notes, make sure you write that down. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What does that mean? Jesus took my punishment. My sins, my rebellion against God was nailed to the cross. And they were dealt with. All, all my sins, past, present, and future, the minute that I put my trust in Jesus, all my sins were nailed to the cross. And they were taken care of. The just punishment that I deserve fell on Jesus. That is God's mercy at play. My sins were transferred to the cross and dealt with. But then it goes on. And he was raised to life for our justification. And a lot of times we, 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 we get the whole mercy part, but this is where grace comes in. This is where grace comes in. And what, what, is, what is going on here is there, there's a transference of Jesus' righteousness into my life. I am now justified. God proclaims me righteous. Not my righteousness, but Jesus' righteousness. And this is what grace is all about. Getting something that I don't deserve. I get... Jesus' righteousness, his right standing with the Father, I get that poured out into my life. And this is what justification is. Notice I said declared. We are positionally made righteous with God. Does that mean that we don't sin from now on when we put our trust in Jesus? No. It doesn't. It means that I still struggle with my sinful nature. And we'll see that later in, in Romans where Paul talks about there's a battle between my new nature and the, and the Holy Spirit leading me versus my flesh, my old nature. But notice I say it's my old nature. And when Jesus came to earth and died for me, his righteousness has been transferred to me. It has been declared by the Father, that I am now have right standing with him because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. <laughs> Absolutely, amen, right? That is, that, is, that is good news. Especially for me, as I know how bad I am. And I... <laughs> <laughs> But it is through faith that we come into this, that mercy and grace are poured out into my life. Just as Abraham was declared righteous by faith, this is, this is how it is for us. It is not faith in itself that saves me, but it is through my faith, my faith in Jesus Christ that saves me. Does that make sense? A lot of times we hear, it's all about faith, it's all about, yes, it is about faith. But it's not in faith of my faith. It is in faith, through faith, in what Jesus Christ has done for me. And that's paramount for us to understand. Because we can have faith in a lot of things that are not true. And this is what true saving faith is. Knowing that I can't save myself. Knowing that I have fallen way short of God's standards. Way short of what God has calling us to and yet God has done this for me purely out of his love and that is that is the gospel that is the amazing the amazingness of the gospel he declares us righteous and we are justified once and for all when we put our trust, the moment we believe in what Jesus has done for us. That's amazing. 
Chapter 5 goes into then. Therefore, since we have been justified, notice it's past tense. We have been justified. Once we put our faith in, we don't have to keep trying to justify going. We always go back to cross, but it is done and over with. We have been justified when we put our faith in there, into, into Christ. And what's so interesting about this chapter is we see justification talked about but there are some things that come with justification and this is this is i get really excited about this this piece of scripture i I get really excited about these five verses and i i uh i was talking this week to a couple people and i almost um i I think i've compared it to almost like a spiritual pound cake anybody like here like pound cake my wife makes the best pound cake it's a secret family recipe but it is, it is so good. But the one thing is, one piece, depends how big your piece is, usually mine's pretty big. One piece will fill me up, right? Because it's so heavy and dense and there is just, it's it just so filling, right? There's so much there. And this is, this is how these five verses are. There is so much here. You could almost, you could almost preach one sermon out of each one of these points because there's so much here but I, I, I like to uh, just point out that there are, there are five uh, some people some commentaries were calling them fruits some, peop, uh, some, some commentaries were calling them uh, uh, blessings or benefits or graces I'm going to refer to them as benefits so there's, there's, there's five benefits out of these five verses that we see that are, are proclaiming what we get, the benefit, kind of a benefit package, if you will, of justification. And, and so these, this, this package isn't just like, well, you get one or, one or two of these things. No, the moment you believe, the moment you put your trust in Jesus, the moment you are justified is the moment that all these things enter into your life. These blessings, these benefits, they all come into our lives in the moment that we believe, the moment we put our trust in Jesus. And that's really good news. It's really good news. It is a package deal. And so the, the, the five different benefits, I'm just going to name them right off, off the bat, is it, we get peace with God, we have access to God, we have hope in God, we have the love of God, and then we get the Spirit of God. And once again, these are... All these things are happening in the moment that we put our faith in, in Jesus. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this peace that we're talking about? It is not a feeling. It is not a uh, like, like what Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God overflowing our hearts. It is not that type of peace. It's not a feeling of peace. It is actual peace with God. Kind of like a peace treaty. Why do we need peace with God? Well, Romans chapter 1, 18 The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppose the truth by their wickedness. Or suppress the truth, excuse me, suppress the truth by their wickedness. It also says in in Romans chapter 3, who is righteous? No one, right? We, We looked at that earlier. So every single one of us is having the wrath of God being poured out on them and will be poured out on them unless... Unless there's an answer. And that's where Jesus comes in. We actually have peace with God. He is no longer warring against us. His wrath is not being poured out on us. The cosmic rebellion that we have within our heart is settled. That's amazing news. That God no longer is looking at us as enemies. 
or objects of wrath. But he now sees us as a child of God and an object of his love. Let me say that one more time. He no longer sees us as enemies or objects of wrath, but he sees us as his children and objects of love. Wow. That's amazing. And it's all because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. If you want to pull those pictures up. This is a celebration from World War II. And I'm not sure which city this is in, but cities all across the world were looking this way when World War II ended. There's one more picture. It's a very iconic picture. You guys have probably seen this picture, right? And I, from what I understand, this picture, these people don't know each other, but they were so excited that the war was over that had gone on for years that has affected the whole world that they were celebrating. Now, I'm not advocating just going around kissing <laughs> somebody today. But this, this, this idea that they were so excited about the war is over was exciting. And it's something I have never experienced in my own life on the, on the physical level. I have never experienced a world war. World war. But I've talked to World War II vets. I've had the privilege of talking to them. And this was like no other war, maybe except for World War I, maybe, where the whole world was at conflict. And the war is over. And that's how it is for us spiritually. The war is over. There should be some kind of celebration, right? That no longer am I the object of God's wrath no longer am I the object of his warfare, but I am now an ally, a child of his. That is really good news. Notice it, it says we've been justified. We have peace with God through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we gain through, through faith. Now, once again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but it's very interesting how this is, this is hashed out, how Paul speaks in these terms, and every name here matters. The Lord, his sovereign king over all the world, king over my life. Jesus, Savior, Jehovah saves, God is with us. And Christ, his strong name, Messiah. Messiah. Lord Jesus Christ has done this for me. He didn't just, you know, die for me, but he, he actively came into the battle for me. He actively came into the war and he lived for me. He lived a perfect life for me. And he went to the cross to die for me. And so how does, this, how does this kind of flush out? Well, he, substitutional death. He, he shed his blood. He died for us. He took my place. He took your place of something that I deserve to end this war. Perpetuation. Big word, right? What does that mean? It means that Jesus satisfied the total, the total holy wrath of God for us. He satisfied the full punishment. The full wrath of what I deserve and what you deserve was poured out on Jesus in the moment of his death. That also means separation. He went to hell, literally. Hell means separation from God. Total separation. And the first time ever in all eternity Jesus the Son was separated from God the 
Father. God the Son was separated from God the Father. And we, we see this on, in the Bible where it says, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn his back on his only begotten Son, God the Son, so that I can have eternal life. That is truly amazing. That is truly amazing. And so his full wrath was released on Jesus. What else had Jesus done for us? Reconciliation. Truly holy God and awful sinful men, Jesus brought them together because of what he's done for us. He reconciled something that was so holy with something so sinful. He bridged that gap. And like I said earlier, he entered the war for us. He brought that treaty to us because of that. Redemption. He, he, he saves us. Clearing out our debt that we ourselves can't, be, can't pay. He bought it by his own blood. Consequently, now we belong to him. And that's really good news as well. I don't want to be with anybody else. I don't want to be owned by my sin. I don't want to be owned by my, my sinful nature. And so I don't want to be a slave to that. I want to be owned by Jesus. That is what he's done for us. And because of that, the war is now over. We have peace with God. Number two, we have access to God. Now, thankfully we have peace with God, right? Because I don't think we'd want access to God without peace. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? So, this is really, really good news that we have peace with God, but now we have access to God. And it's not just getting out of hell. This is, this is actually having full access to the king of the world, to the king of the universe. That is amazing. You know, in, in back in the, in the Middle Ages, even, even nowadays, right, there are, there are some monarchies out there. And if you're even a subject of that monarchy, are you able to just kind of come in and say, hey, king, how you doing? How you doing, queen? No, you know, even, even, even though there are figureheads in, 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 in uh, England, right? There's guards everywhere. Your access, even though you're a subject, is denied. And as, we, as we're going to look here, we have, we have full access to the king. That's amazing. Not only do we have peace, but we have full access to this king of the universe. If we look back in the Old Testament, once again, even God's chosen people, the Jew, Jewish people, the Hebrews, did not have full access to God before Jesus. And if you look how the, 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 the temple or the tabernacle had been set up, there was different layers of access depending who you were. One, if you were a Gentile, there was, there was gates up to a point where the Gentiles could come in, outer court, whatever you want to call it, but they were, they were on the outside looking in. Next, if you were a Jewish woman, you could come in a little bit further, but there was a limit to that. The men... And then the priests, so you're a little bit more special, you had a little bit better access. But the holy of holies, the inner circle, only one man, the head priest, one day a year, could access that. 
According to Jewish tradition, they actually tied a rope around his leg and had bells sewn into his robe. Why? Well, in case he did something wrong, in case he didn't purify himself right, if, if God would say that somehow he was unholy in that moment, he would have been dead. And if they didn't hear the bells in the inner circle, they couldn't go and get him. So that rope was there to pull him out. Sometimes we don't view God in that way. But to have access to God is a huge deal. What gives us the right to even call on the name of the Lord? Call on the name of God. What gives us the right to even pray? We take it for granted, don't we? But the moment, the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the veil to the Holy of Holies in the temple was ripped. And it went from top to bottom. It has given us access to God fully through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about this. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how 2.18, it says, For through him we have both have access to the Father by one spirit. Uh, 2.14, it says, For he himself is our peace. Once again, that, that idea of peace treaty. Who has made the two, holy God, sinful man, one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And this veil is a, a, a physical sample or a physical example of what that looked like. And Jesus coming to earth, living a perfect life, dying for us, the moment that he died for us, the veil was ripped, the barrier was destroyed so that we can come fully in the presence of, of God. So ultimately, we have, we have a privileged access to God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. In him, and through faith in him, we approach God with freedom and confidence. What in the world gives us the freedom or the confidence to approach God, a holy God, it is through Jesus Christ. Through faith alone, by Christ alone. This is something that we absolutely don't deserve. However, he has given it to us through faith. We can stand firmly in this. And it even says, through him, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. A confidence. Not a confidence in myself, but in a confidence of what Jesus Christ has done for me. At one time, we were that Gentile looking at the many layers, wanting to get to God. And because of what Jesus has done, we now have access. So we, we now have an unrestricted accent, access, excuse me, accent, access to God the Father. It's privilege. Um, when I was in Romania, we, uh, we had to go check in with the embassy, the American embassy. Now the embassy was in the capital city of Bucharest. We had to travel there. And we got there, and there was a long line. There was guards. There was a fence. There was a gate. There was Marines holding M16s. And there was a long line to get into this place, to try to come to America, get a green card, whatever. But I didn't have to wait in that line. Why? Because I'm an American citizen. I pulled my passport out. I bypassed the line. I showed the Marine my passport, and they ushered me into the embassy. 
Is that fair? Our, our, some of the girls in our team were like, well, that's not fair. They were, they were standing here since this morning, and we just got here at 1 o'clock. How is it that we can walk in? I have privileged access because I am an American citizen to our embassy. It's the same way with God. I have privileged access to God because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. He is my passport, if you will, to get to God, the Father. We have direct access. We have undeserved direct access. Keep saying accent. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe it's the hour of lack of sleep here. Through Jesus, he is our mediator. We have direct access access, excuse me, to the Father. It is also permanent. It is secured forever because of our trust in what Jesus has done for us. It is direct, undeserved, permanent, and it is always there. It is unlike, um, has anybody ever gone to Glenmont? Has anybody ever tried to talk on their cell phone in Glenmont? It is pretty much non-existent to be able to talk. I only go a couple years, uh, a couple times a year. I usually go down for the, for the Glenmont gun show. And when I go down there, I know that I'm not going to be able to talk to my wife. And I'm, I let her know that I'll be out of cell service for probably a, a couple hours. That's not how it is with God. My quote-unquote cell service, if you will, is always there with God. I'm never out of range. It is always there. I can speak to God no matter where I'm at, and he hears me. The call is never, ever not taken. It is there. No matter where you're at, no matter the time, he is there. Number three, hope in God. And this is at the, uh, about the middle, verse two. It says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. So hope in God. Now, what kind of hope are we talking about here? How many of you guys have ever said, man, I I hope we get some pizza for supper tonight? (laughs) I I hope we go out for, you know, Longhorn tonight. I hope the Browns win the Super Bowl this year. (laughs) Is this the type of hope we're talking about here? These are all wishful thinking, right? And we as Americans, in our, in our English language, we use this a lot. I hope this, I hope that, I hope this. Hope it doesn't snow too much. Hope they pass the bill and get rid of the having to turn our clocks backwards and forwards. This is not the hope that we're talking about here, guys. The hope that we are looking at here is confidence, confident assurance, happy, happy certainty. Man, I, I cannot speak this morning of our future glory. There is something about knowing beyond a shadow of doubt this is true. This is the hope that we're talking about here. We hope or we rejoice, all believers, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, we rejoice, exalt. If you look at, at the original Greek, it would almost, it, it, it seems like the original Greek here is boast. We actually boast in our hope of the glory of God. This future that we know 
beyond all doubt that is coming because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And it's interesting how it says the glory of God. If you, if you remember back in Exodus, Exodus, I think chapter 33, Moses says, God, I want to see your full glory. And what does God say? Eh, you're not going to be able to handle it. If you see me in my full glory, you're actually going to die. Physical death. Because it's too much for you. But I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll, I'll hide you in this cleft, in this cave, and I'm going to pass by. And you'll see my uh, afterglow, if you will. And even after Moses saw that, he was glowing. He went down to the Israelites, and they were like, wow, you're, 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 you're like the sun. We will get to see God in his full glory. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? One day, we will see God in his full glory. That is the hope that we have because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Verse 3 goes on, and it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in the same word here. We actually boast in our sufferings. Tribulations is, is, is uh, another word used in some other translations. And it, it really does mean, Greek. it's a Greek word that says, put under great stress or pressure. Now how in the world, why in the world would I even want to boast or rejoice in great pressure? Well, the Bible continues here and it, it tells us why we can do that because we know that suffering produces perseverance and and before I before I go in even further there um, we have to know something that our suffering our troubles, our, our, our tribulations, even though they are heavy at times, even though they are hard and we don't like going through them, they are doing something. They are doing something. God is at work in them. First and foremost, for his own glory which is good but it is also for our well-being it is actually doing something for us even though it's not pleasant at the time and this is not to be taken lightly it's not to be like well you know what uh, yeah you got troubles we all got troubles yeah. no God actually emphasizes with us his son his son went through trouble, right? His son suffered for us. In fact, in, in Romans 8, 17, which we'll, we'll see later down the road here, it says, share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So there is something that happens to us when we go through suffering, when we go through pain. Tribulation of all kinds. And this could be relational, it could be financial, it could be, it could be persecution. And we may see that in America before we realize it. You know, it is not if trouble is going to happen, it's when trouble is going to happen. John 16 33, in this world you'll have much trouble. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. A lot of times we don't have an eternal perspective on what is going on 
in, our, in, our, in the midst of our suffering. And once again, I don't want to make light of your suffering if you're going through suffering right now. But I just want to encourage you, if you are, and I know there are people at Mercy Hill right now, both, both places, here and the theater location, that are going through some really, really, really hard stuff right now. Be it your child going through surgery. We've had a couple families that have done that here in the last month. Or relational issues with family members. We've got quite a few of those going on. But this is the thing, guys. In the midst of that, in the midst of that, God is doing something. And so take heart. Because he has overcome the world. The trials that we go through are not for nothing. And so, as we see here in Romans, it says suffering produces, it makes perseverance. Perseverance would be an endurance that we don't normally have. Um, I'm not a runner. I have no idea why anybody would want to run unless you're being chased by something big. But my brother has taken up running. I guarantee his endurance is better than mine, for one thing. But he has worked up to his endurance, too. right? He has had to go through some pain to get to that place where maybe he's not out of breath after mile number two or three. He has built up an endurance. This is what happens when we go through suffering. It brings perseverance. And perseverance is is literally uh, talking about how we face trials head on with patience. to stay or remain under great pressure during those times it is producing that in us it, 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 it puts deeper roots into Christ it goes on perseverance actually leads to character in, in, in some some uh, translations, it says, a, a, or, or uh, if you go back to the original Greek, it, it actually means like a proven character. It's not just not just character, but a proven character. So what does that mean? It's it's like you you you've, te- you've been tested and you passed that test. That you've 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 gone through all this stuff, almost like a gold, right? If you take gold out of the ground. There's a bunch of impurities, there's a bunch of junk in it. And you throw it in a fire, in a pot, and you, you, you start heating it up. And as, as, as it heats up, the impurities come to the top. And, and the person that's refining it will take the, the impurities and the junk off the top. What happens? How do you know it's pure? Well, from what I've read, the person pulling the junk off the top when the gold is melted, they look into it, it's almost like a mirror, and they can see the reflection. That's when they know that's pretty much been purified. And honestly, guys, that's what Jesus is doing to us. God's allowing these things to happen to us so that we can be purified, and we can look more like him rather than our old nature, rather than our old selves. James, James 1, 4, it says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. This is maturing us. This is making us more Christ-like. And once again, it's for our well-being as we walk out in this world. God is forming us. He's refining us to be more like Jesus. 
And then it goes from proving character to hope. And once again, it, it, it's, it's really interesting how, how hope is started off here. It's almost like a bookmark, and it ends in, a, in, in hope at another bookmark. It, it's the thread, needle and thread, that, that puts all this together. And so, after going through perseverance, after going through suffering, and this suffering may be years. It's not just like, and, and notice it, 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 it doesn't just say one trial. It doesn't just say trial. It says trials. And so I, I truly believe that this is something that the, the, the normal Christian life, sometimes we ask, why is this happening to us? Has anybody ever asked that? Why am I going through this? Well, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Yet, knowing that God is using whatever this is to do something in my life is amazing. And it can bring hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Justification is not an escape from trials. My faith in Jesus is not an escape from trials. I'm not going to get raptured out of these tribulations. But it's a guarantee that these trials will work something out in me. That God is going to be doing something in those trials. That's what the guarantee is. Having gone through, you know, even for ourselves, I, my wife and I had lost a daughter, and a lot of you know about that, almost 18 years ago. The worst thing that could ever, ever happen to us. Yet I look back, and that was a defining moment in my life when God has brought me to my knees and has instrumentally done things in my own life that would have never been, ha- been able to happen before that. It is, it is truly amazing that he will take something of great pain and turn it even into that, into joy, in, in, in a peace, and maturity. Some of the, some of the guys that I, I look at, that, that uh, uh, one guy I, I know in particular, his name was Alex. Um, there's no doubt in my mind he's with the Lord right now. He... Uh, he went through quite a bit of suffering. He was at Scenic Point when I was chaplain. And to me, this is, this is the picture of hope. This is, he's, he's like the, the poster child to me of what hope looks like. Because he had gone through a lot of, a lot of suffering. Vietnam vet um, had a lot of things happen in Vietnam to him. Had some, had some mental illness with that. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, had diabetes really bad. And then ended up with a brain tumor. Ended up in hospice. And for about a year and a half, I got to know him really well. Every, every week, I would sit and play chess with the guy. And uh, I'm not a very good chess player, and he would usually beat me in a couple moves. If I knew that his diabetes, if his diabetes were really bad that day, he'd get a brain fog, and he'd still beat me, but it would be like 20 moves. But, you know, we, we, we talked a lot during those games. And we would go through just life stuff. And he would just sit and talk to me. And he'd come to church and he'd come to Bible study. And um, a couple of days before he passed. And he was getting, getting worse and worse. The hospice chaplain said, it's getting close. You need to go in and see him. And um, he hadn't been out of his room for a couple weeks. And I went in. And I, I stopped in to visit him, but I, I, I stopped in, and we sat for a good hour and talked. And just before, just before I left, he shook my hand. He goes, Matt, it's good knowing you. He goes, I'll see you on the other side. I'll see you with Jesus. 
that's the poster child of hope. Of all the, all the junk that he went through. And he had relational issues too with his family. Of all the sorrow and the pain and the junk that he went through in this life. He still had that hope. He had that hope. And I have to look at this and I'd say, Alex went through this, these type of things. He, he had a proven character. He had perseverance because of his trust in Jesus. And ultimately, he had the hope that he knew, he knew he was going to see Jesus beyond a shadow of a doubt. I will say this, if you're, if you're right now going through suffering, if you're right now, you are going through something, I don't want to minimize it. I don't want to say, and give you a Christianese answer, which can be really frustrating, but I want to encourage you to take heart and know that Jesus has overcome the world and he is doing something in that in the midst of that number four love of God and you know so far we, we've, we've talked about justification as almost like this legal, legal, legal term right like we've been justified kind of in the courts right and uh, God has done this for us and there is absolutely no doubt he done it and it is, it is kind of a legal term, but there's more to this than just a legal finality of this. It's his love. And it goes on, it says, God has poured out his love into our hearts. It's deep into our hearts. It's not just a, not just a little, at the old house that we lived in, we had a lot of, of uh, rust in our pipes. And it was always a chore to, uh, the pipes were always, you know, giving me issues. The faucets were always getting plugged up. And the one, the one, the one faucet upstairs in the bathroom, it would just trickle out right you'd be so frustrating you're trying to brush your teeth and and just a trickle and a lot of times we think well this is how God pours his love out on us no it's like Niagara Falls folks <laughs> comparing it to a little little faucet that just trickles sometimes we we look at well we know Jesus loves us right because he came to earth, he poured, he poured out his life for us. I'm telling you right now, God the Father has the exact same love for us. Sometimes we think that Jesus has to convince him to love us. It's not true. For God so loved, God the Father so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that we may not perish, but have eternal life. And so he is continually giving himself to us. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Some of you guys know this. Uh, Eric, one of our other elders, and I, I, I talked to him before I was going to use this example, so I have you guys' permission. But, uh, you know, uh, his youngest, Jordan, is adopted. So they've got four kids. The youngest is adopted. And... They had to go through a legal process to adopt Jordan. But it doesn't mean that Eric loves Jordan any less than his other kids. And that's how it is with God and us. He loves us so much that he pours his love out for us. He continually pours his love out into our hearts. Last but not least, point five. 
God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The Spirit of God. And I do want to say this. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is a person. You notice that. It says, the Holy Spirit, who he has given us, or whom he has given us. It's not it. It's not this, not this uh, impersonal force that does this, like Star Wars. Anybody ever watch Star Wars? The, the force, you know? It's, it's not that. He's not that. He is God himself given to us. He resides in us. We fully get the Holy Spirit. He comes in and moves into our, our lives the moment that we have put our faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. There is not a, another secondary outpouring that we need. It is fully given he is fully given to us the moment that happens. And this is great news because he leads us, he guides us, he becomes our, our, our supernatural conscience, if you will. He is also a guarantee. Nate, you can come on up. <clears throat> um... He's a guaranteeing the hope that we are going to experience in the future. A lifetime warranty on their knives, right? Well, if the company is out of business, the lifetime warranty doesn't really give me much satisfaction if I break a knife, right? But this guarantee that God, God, the creator of the universe, gives us is himself, is the Holy Spirit. I just want to read a couple different scriptures here, uh, starting in Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to go there, you can, but I'm just going to read it really quickly. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of what to come. He's never going to leave us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 through 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Notice that he, stand, he makes us stand firm in Christ. Set a seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. One more. 2 Corinthians 5.5 5. Now it is God who made us for this purpose and he has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. This is good news, guys. The Holy Spirit resides in us. He is a part of us. He controls us. It's good. God himself comes into our lives and changes us from the inside out. Once again, I, I just want to reiterate, justification is never just by itself. Justification itself is, is good. It's great. Don't want to minimize it. But all these things come with justification. It's a package deal. All these things we talked about today, every single thing, peace with God, access, hope, love and the Holy Spirit these are all things that come with it that cannot be separated out these are all immediate things that we get and it's good news it allows us it allows us to live in this world and to know that we, we are loved by God let me pray Father God we thank you so much for all the many all the many blessings that you have given us, all the many benefits that you have lavishly given to us. And uh, right now, we just uh, want to thank you. The fact that we can even pray to you, the fact that we even have access to you is amazing. And so we just want to um, praise you and thank you and ask that your name 
be glorified in our lives.